This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. Sheddies, welcome to my shed. Uh, also now known as the Ice Shed. I'm trying to think of something more catchy. <laughs> I don't know what I got. The Ice Chest. The Ice Shed. The Ice House. That's what I should have called it. Do you remember the Sweat Lodge? If you're a newer listener, you won't remember the Sweat Lodge, but I was in Arizona and uh, I recorded an episode under a house in a crawl space. Um, was that the right one? I'm mixing up my episodes. I definitely had an episode episode called Sweat Lodge, where it was so hot and sweaty, I ended up taking off all my clothes. Um, was that Strip Pod? Jesus Christ. There's been so many. It's episode 29. Can't believe it. About six months. I almost said we've been doing this, but you haven't done anything, have you? If you've listened, if you've ever supported me in any way, thank you. And also... At the same time, how dare you? Because it's kind of like when I started doing stand-up years ago. There's a few people who sort of motivated me to do it, and uh, I've never forgiven any of them. Because stand-up comedy, I don't know if I talked to you about this before, I do tend to repeat myself a lot. And um, I sort of bank on the fact that what I'm saying is so boring, you won't remember it three months later when I start telling you the same story. But um, the weird thing about doing stand-up comedy is at some point you go... Even if you, even if it's going well, it's so soul destroyingly awful, and that's if you're good. It's soul destroyingly awful, and at some point you go, "Shit, I just want to quit." But by the point, you know, you you when it's early on in your stand-up career, you say, "Well, I can't quit now because I haven't given it enough of a shot." And then at some point, you find yourself saying. Well, I can't quit now, otherwise all these years have been a waste of time. So you just get trapped. Why am I saying that? What's that got? Oh, yes, yes. It's the same with podcasting. That's what I've realized is that it's fun to do, but there's a few. I I bet everyone who's done a podcast at some point has gone, why the fuck did I start doing this? You know, and I have many times. So I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. I'm supposed to talk about rugby. Before I do some bullshit from my life, I have two puppies in my house right now. Lovely, adorable little pit bulls, pure-blooded pit bull puppies. Now, listen, I don't know what I—I I don't know what the feeling amongst British people is about puppies. Uh, sorry, about pit bulls. I don't know what it is about puppies. You bloody love puppies, but when I lived in England, I seem to remember pit bulls were illegal. Or was that just a? See, that's the problem. I left England when I was eighteen. Well, 18, then I came back for a year and I was nine. At any rate, I was a fucking moron. So 
but I seem to remember there weren't actual pit bulls in England, whereas America has them. And then you have the two sides. You have the people who think they're evil, child-eating, granny-fucking, man-insulting creatures that need to be shot in the head. Um, and then you have the people that defend them and say, oh, they're the loveliest dogs in the world. They wouldn't hurt. Anyone. And you know, I don't I don't care to defend. I just not going to do that. I don't feel like it's my duty to defend pit bulls. But I have had two pit bulls before. And uh, one of them was the nicest dog in the world. And she got sick. She got ill. She had some sort of kidney disease and ended up, ended up dying. It was horrible. The first one, I say I had it, was really my roommates. This is this is like in the year 2000, 2001 maybe. No, 2000. Barely the year 2000. A guy I played rugby with actually in Albuquerque. He was from Hawaii. Um, he was a madman. He was a maniac. And he had this beautiful pit bull called Mehana. And she was the nicest dog in the world as long as she knew you. And if she didn't, she was the worst dog in the world. And... Um, I sort of took care of her for a while. And there was a couple of incidents where she got out of the house. I remember like chasing after her and she was an old man was walking his little dog and he was basically swinging this dog round his head by the leash. And Mehana, the pit is just jumping in the air, snapping at it and running around in circles. And I'm chasing, chasing after her in circles. It would be funny if it weren't, you know, a situation in which somebody's, beloved pet was about to be eaten in front of them and i grabbed her i managed to get a hold of her i took her back to the house i threw her inside i slammed the door and i was like jesus fucking christ peter man i tried to eat someone's dog bugger. and he just sits there completely relaxed and goes hey you seem pretty stressed out eddie i went fuck you he didn't give a shit and that's why his dog was so badly behaved he thought he sort of encouraged her to act that way um but my pitbull um that i had after her was uh the loveliest dog ever she couldn't she wouldn't hurt a fly anyway i got these uh well she'd hurt a fly i mean who wouldn't but i've got these two uh beautiful pit bulls boy and a girl brother and sister and i'm really just training training them to kill um mexicans no that's not true to kill a mexican my friend aj martinez if you don't listen to the eddie and aj show listen to it it's really good on acast and uh apple podcasts um but he's he's a he's my best friend here in America, and I fucking hate him. He's such a piece of shit. He, um, you know, it's interesting. So he hates, he hates pit bulls. Thinks they're just awful, disgusting. He, he believes all the stereotypes, but it's because he was, he's born and raised here and he's known enough gangster Mexicans, what they call vatos, vatos, V-A-T-O-S here. Um, and the, they only ever own two breeds of dog. Pit bulls or chihuahuas. The chihuahua makes sense because they're Mexican, but it is interesting. And what's even more interesting is I've also owned a chihuahua. Yeah, also an awesome dog, also a psychopath. Yeah, the the, the chihuahua was by far the most aggressive. Um, anyway, I don't know why I'm talking about my dogs. You don't give a shit, do you? I'll put pictures up. No, I won't. Um, but anyway, my goal is to just never let my friend AJ. Uh, who comes and does, he comes to the shed once a week and we do the Eddie and AJ show. My goal is to never let him uh, see the dogs, but I will like manage to like steal like a like a glove of his or something and get them to know his scent. I'll train them to attack, and then one day he'll be walking across the backyard 
down the path to my shed and I'll just open the door and go, Schlutzentritt! I don't know what the words are. It's like Schutzentraining, right? German. Fachtenacht in Mexico! What was that? That was nothing like German. What is that? Fachtenacht in me. I was like sounding Swedish or something. Anyway, whatever the German word is, fuck And um, I'll just tear him limb from limb in front of me. It'll be so great. Um, too dark? Too dark for episode 29? Um... I'm trying to chill out more. Sometimes, as you as you know, I, I do indulge in drugs. Man, I love drugs. You know, not shitty drugs like meth or heroin. The good ones. I'm talking weed, shrooms, LSD, DMT, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, POV pornography, hardcore DP tranny TV. What the fuck am I talking? Sorry. That is my drug of choice, though. Pornography, online porn. Um, but, and I may have said this before, as I mentioned earlier, my memory is a little hazy because of all the drugs. Um, just kidding. By the way, I very rarely do any kind of drugs, but I do enjoy magic mushrooms. I'm a bit of a psychonaut and sometimes I'll smoke weed. It's legal here. Relax. But you know what? I don't give a shit if it's legal or not. I smoked it when it wasn't legal. It's a big pet peeve of mine. I don't know what it's like where you are, but here in America... They're really relaxing the drug laws on marijuana. And what bothers me is you've got all these dumb fucking middle-aged Americans who 20 years ago wanted you locked up for, for life if you smoked weed. But as soon as their doctors start saying, well, actually, marijuana does have medicinal uses and purposes and it's not that bad. All of a sudden, they're like, yeah, maybe I'll get some marijuana. Oh, look out. And all these fucking old women are suddenly getting high and they think it's fine. Meanwhile, there's people in jail now finishing their sentences because they did what these old bitches are doing. Men, too. But it's mostly old women that are uh, ruining my life. Um but anyway, I was saying pornography. It's a slippery slope. A slippery, cum-drenched slope pornography. Online porn, that is. Because, you know, I basically came into maturity um, when the internet was invented. I'm not sure. That's probably not true. I feel like the internet was invented, like, came out. Came out like it was gay. The internet was created and became available probably way earlier than we were aware of it because it was just too much for us to even grasp couldn't understand it um but the late 90s little 90 well 96 97 that's when it started coming i remember i was at sixth form college in 97 and my friends and i would like print black and white pictures of naked women in the computer lab to go home and fucking wank off to them not together that would be awful um and uh but can you imagine doing that now that would be insane like i get angry if i load a porn video load if i if i if i watch a porn video on my phone and this and there's no sound that's offensive to me you know but the problem is it's there's it's a real i mean there's a term for it i can't remember what it is but people are suffering um impotence is that the right word? Wait, impotence is when you can't. This is great. Last week I couldn't remember the word um, amnesia. <laughs> that wasn't it. I'm suffering amnesia. I can't remember 
what it was last episode. You know, I can check the name of the fucking episode. I'm so goddamn stupid. I'm not high or anything, so don't try and fucking give me that shit. Podcast. Acast. The worst podcast platform on earth. Let's go down. It's called... It was Amnesia. Well, what the fuck? Anyway. Now I can't remember what the word is for when you can't maintain an erection. But anyway, people are having that problem. Floppy dick syndrome. Because they're looking at so much porn. They're basically overloaded. I've done it. I've had... I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I can, I can get it up, you know, as long as there's not too much pressure on me. Um... Uh, and, uh, but you know, there's, I, I definitely feel the, uh, the burden, the weight of all the porn that I've looked at over the last 20 years, 20 years now. And, the, and I'll tell you what's really scary. And to younger listeners, like just listen to your uncle Eddie in his sheddy, stay away from it because you know, it starts out fun. You start out looking at innocent shit. Just tits and pussy and sex, I suppose. But, you know, regular sex leads to anal. Anal leads to lesbians. Lesbians leads to fucking tranny porn. And the next thing you know, you end up like me 20 years in and you realize the shit you're beaten off to isn't even technically considered pornography anymore. That's really fucked up. When someone walks in, walks in on you, and says, "Oh, what's that on the screen? What are we, what are we looking at? What is that? Fucking Pokemon?" And you're like, "Get away! Get away!" It's I'm in deep. I'm in too deep. Ah, oh, Pokemon. Pokemon wouldn't be that weird, would it? Nowadays, you go. Ah, what am I talking about? Shall we talk about rugby? You never answer. Okay, uh, England beat Australia. Some other shit happened. Let's go. Rugby round to banter, episode 29. A stupid number, if you ask me. just realized that i'm in my shed my ice house um and uh i had notes from the england uh australia match handwritten notes which i've left in the fucking bedroom so now i'd have to if i was going to get them i'd have to run the gauntlet of getting past the vicious pitbull puppies who would probably go <laughs> and make me feel sad and then past the vicious pitbull wife who probably go so in order to get my notes so i'm just not gonna get i don't need them i think i had some pretty good ones i was analyzing the players very well but i do have something written down on my computer but in a nutshell i was very my overall feeling seems extremely harsh my overall feeling at the end of that match was i was absolutely fucking pissed off and now look, I think all of us, all England supporters, 
if you'd asked us at the beginning of the November internationals, would we take three wins from four and a one point loss to the All Blacks, we would have said, fuck yes, please, thank you. Whose dick do I have to suck to make that happen? But the way it all unfolded, so England against South Africa, that was the first match, right? Let's see, it was England versus South Africa. Yeah. England versus South Africa was decent. We won. It was controversial. But I remember, and you may remember, my opinion was, if that is a platform from which England can build, good. Then the New Zealand match, an epic, awesome start. You supposed to say epic anymore? A teenager told me, nobody says epic anymore. And I said, fuck you, you, you rapscallion. Um, isn't that absurd? Words become untrendy. I'm going to use epic all the time now. Um, but a great start against New Zealand. And then a very dodgy call. Put us, put a, put killed any chance of the greatest ever try at Twickenham from an England player with Sam Underhill and in all likelihood a very famous victory so that was good in general then the Japan match a weird one a combination of I suspect the England players not taking the Japanese team seriously enough certainly England fans didn't take them seriously enough um and then a strong end to it but just one of those matches you could sort of write off um and then this match against Australia. Look, there's no other way of putting this. That Australia team are a fucking embarrassment. That was the biggest shower of shit I've ever watched from an Australian team. Like, it's the cut. They, they were playing in ways that I've seen England play before, but I've always thought, you know, to the Australian rugby team's credit, I've always thought they were sort of mentally pretty tough. You know, they don't always win. And God knows, England has spanked Australia a few times. But we've never, you know, tour of hell spanked them. You know, was it 98 when Matt Dawson captained them? I remember. I remember being in the living room, watching England lose to Australia by, I don't know, was it 57 points or something? It was, it was awful. I remember my stepbrother started cheering the Australians on. Was it, or he just turned traitor. And then my friend who was there, Pete Lamarquand and I, got really angry with him. Anyway, you don't care about that. But um, it was awful. Like, this, this Australia team were pretty much were as bad as that England team were. I feel that that was a... That, that team needed to be put to the sword and fast. They showed from the get-go. They weren't up for it. They weren't up, They weren't even interested. I don't know what the fuck their problems were because they got good players across the, the team, across the squad. And they went out there and they couldn't even fucking pass a ball. It was incredible. It was like someone was playing a video game on easy, like more on difficulty level. They couldn't pass. The only chance that they had... Basically, if the if the ball went to, to Falau or what's his name, Hale at Petty, Pale at Hetty, fucking hell, you know what I'm talking about. Those two at least looked dangerous with the ball in hand. But other than that, they were fucking useless. We should have beaten them by a minimum of 30 points. And I'll tell you what, when they scored 
when they scored the last try of the game, I was angrier than I've been probably for any England match. I don't think I've ever been that pissed off. And it's a very worrying... You, it might not seem like a big deal. You could easily go. You could easily be forgiven for thinking, well, they knew they had the game won, and they, there was no way Australia could could uh, could win it. So who gives a shit? They just weren't. They 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 were already ready to. They, and they won. So shut up. No, against a team that bad, they should be thinking in the last five minutes. All right, it's a World Cup final. We have to score to win, and we will. We would rather die than let them score. That is the attitude that England needed to have. And you could see England switched off, not just in that last few minutes, but multiple times throughout the match. Um, after 20 minutes, I would say, I think it was about, about 20 minutes, I remember just thinking, Australia look fucking shit. We should be ahead by more points than we are. And uh, after about 25 minutes, England's intensity and focus just completely dropped. And it's pathetic that they that we let Australia back in. There was um I wish I had my fucking notes. There was obviously some great performances. Kyle Sinclair was absolutely amazing. Just lethal ball in hand. And defensively and in the scrums. You know another interesting wasn't it just changing the subject slightly. I got nostalgic at that first scrum when we just obliterated them like the good old days. And then a really good positive thing that happened is as the scrum went back, Mark Wilson picked up from the base. And I, my first thought was, why the hell did he do that? Because I've been trained since I've been watching England to believe that you outscrummage them and you get the penalty. You go for the penalty every time so he picks up but it immediately led to a score that was interesting i mean maybe he just didn't real i don't know if he had, I, I, maybe that was a deliberate decision get them backpedaling at the scrum pick and go i guess if a, if a if a penalty i don't remember if the referee had actually give played advantage to a penalty or anything at that point if he had then it's really smart to pick up because the worst case scenario you're gonna get penalty. anyway who gives a shit um Anyway, that's my overall feeling, um, is statistically, these Autumn Internationals have been absolutely phenomenally great for England. Statistically. And it is a success. There's no doubt about that. It was a successful series. However, in actuality, looking at performances, looking at selections, looking at decisions made... I'm still, I just, I'm still, I don't, I'm just still nervous. I'm still worried. I, I feel like there's no consistency as such. There's no consistency of performance. Um, I, I suppose we're just really going to be able to learn a lot from this Six Nations coming up. One of the things I want to know is, will Eddie Jones bring Mike fucking Brown back in? Because I was talking to somebody about this here, an American who doesn't know a lot about rugby, but he's interested. And he, uh, I was talking about Mike fucking Brown. 
and I and I mentioned that they need to have a backup to Mike fucking Brown. They need to have somebody else who can play there. And you know, it's not like he's going to be around forever. And Elliot Daly isn't is a good option long term potentially. So maybe that's what Eddie Jones is thinking. And my American friend said, "Well, that that's what I was thinking. Sounds like." You would want to give someone a run of games to to build, but that's the thing. As I've said before, it's not enough time, or is it? Maybe it is. Maybe at the end, if he sticks with Elliot Daly for the whole Six Nations at fullback, maybe by the end of it, he'll have learned enough. But I still think if he goes back to his club and is playing center or wing, because Billy Larue is at fullback. Is he going to unlearn all of that? Like, I feel like you need a bit more consist- consistency. And you've got Andy Good. Sorry, not fucking Andy Good. Andy Good. Alex Good. You've got Alex Good playing phenomenally for Saracens for years. I'd rather stick him there. Anyway. I suppose we'll do Eddie versus Eddie now. <sighs> all I can control is, is what I do is catch the team, and I'll do that the best of my ability. <laughs> You've heard the uh, conspiracy theory that Eddie Jones was planted by the Australian Rugby Union, whatever they're called, to fuck up our plans for the World Cup. I think that's a little far-fetched and silly, but I think the truth is something even more bizarre and nefarious. I think he has been planted here not to ruin the England rugby team, but to ruin the England rugby fans, to drive us insane, to make us confused, to make us question everything and not know whether we're going to win or lose. Moments of brilliance, uh, inspired selections, retarded selections. Um, Time will tell. Sometimes I wonder how, how important a coach even is. I wish, I think I talked about that before too. I think I'm repeating myself a lot today. But you know what? I don't have a lot to say about Eddie Jones. Um, It's been a successful, he's back on the up. So for now, I'll, you know, I shall stay my tongue. I shall hold my punches. I shall keep my arrows quivered. Is that what it's called? Um, So we're cool, Eddie, for now. Yeah. Yeah. A few other things I want to talk about. Um, A few standout performances in the premiership that I think are worth talking about. Harry Thacker with his hat, with his uh, hat trick. uh, Got me a lot of fantasy points. A lot. That was nice. And then uh, Max Malins. It's pronounced Malins, right? Was it? Yeah, it's Malins uh, from Saracens. That try that he set up. I hope you've seen it. It, it. You know, it was one of those moments that was so great that I'm so bitter and negative now. It just makes me go, if Danny Cipriani had done that, that's what I could think. Actually, if, if Danny Cipriani had done anything, just passed a ball and it led to a try, people would act like he fucking set up the try of the year. But Danny Cipriani could not do what Max Malins did in that match. The speed, the agility, and then that he could do Cipriani could do the pass, but not the rest. That was incredible. 
Um, oh, and back, back to Harry Thacker. I thought it was interesting at the end of the match when Bristol came so close there. I thought it was really nice to see him. Uh, I, I don't remember who, which Bristol player knocked the ball on, but I noticed as soon as it, he knocked it on, the whistle went. The guy drops to his knees, and Thacker immediately jogs over to him, puts his arm around him, consoles. I mean, I assume he's consoling him. He could have been going, you fucking cost us, you motherfucker. I'm going to kill you when these cameras aren't here. But pretty sure he was consoling him. I thought it was a nice touch. Um, also from Saracens, Lazowski, the speed, first of all, that he has. We know he's defensively great, and I, and I knew he's quick. But now he's played from 10 to 15, every position, right? He's on the wing, incredible speed. He he could be our Bowden Barrett. That's an annoying thing to say, isn't it? Um, oh, no, this is really interesting. So if you saw the Leicester match, the Leicester Saracens match, there was that moment, the uh, deliberate, the controversial deliberate knock-on moment. <laughs> I was talking to an American friend, the same guy that I was talking about earlier. And he was, because he'd watched this match and he was trying to get me to explain stuff to, to him. And he was talking about the deliberate knock-on and saying, well, what's the problem there? And I said, well, you know, you can't, you can't throw the ball forward. You can't knock the ball forward. Um, if you're making an attempt to catch the ball, then it's just a knock-on. But if you do it deliberately, if you deliberately knock it forward, then it's a penalty. And he said, Why? Why would they want, like, why shouldn't you be able to smack the ball out of the air if someone's trying to score? And I, and you know, maybe I'm being stupid. Because he told me, I was like, you know what? It's considered cynical. I'm not sure. Like, do, does penalizing deliberately knock-ons help the game? You know, is a deliberate knock-on a cynical act that should be punished or just good, desperate defense? And is there like an intrinsic advantage to being able to rush out and swing at past balls. What I mean is if it were no longer considered an illegal offense to deliberately knock the ball on, is that something teams could really take advantage of? Would it really be how often is that going to be? And, and even if it is like he said, why shouldn't he be able to do it? I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. It's an interesting thought. I, if you could dive through the air and and athletically slap a ball before it can get to the hands of an attacking player, stop them from scoring, why wouldn't we just consider that great defense? And you're always going to prefer to intercept it. There's no situation in which someone's going to go, I could catch you, but I'll just smack it fucking out. So, I don't know. I, maybe I'm overlooking something really obvious. I don't know. Um, but I, I don't remember if it was the, if it was the decision regarding that. Oh, it was the um, <laughs> the uh, the penalty try that was not that never was for Leicester. Pretty sure that was the one where I heard Dan Cole say that's baller as he walked off. <laughs> he sort of just trailed off, but he was clearly saying that's bollocks. I enjoyed that too. There was a lot of good rugby. You know what? It's such a blur, isn't it? It's so hard. First of all, it's so hard to watch all the matches on a weekend. Even if it's just premiership, six matches, it's kind of hard to find the time to watch all of them. And when you do, they all blur together into this weird mess. 
Um, the last thing I want to talk about, and I don't want to get too nasty. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get nasty, but I don't want to get too controversial. Have you seen the video that fucking, do you know what? And Andy Good. I listened to his podcast with Jim Hamilton. And look, I certainly, you know, people in glass houses don't want to throw stones. I'm certainly not in a position to start judging other people's rugby podcasts. And as I say, I listen to it and I do enjoy it to a degree. But my feelings upon listening to it from the get-go was that Jim Hamilton is very funny and very likable. The Kiwi guy, um, whose name I can't remember right now, seems to have no understanding of uh, European rugby, and I'm not sure why he's there. And then Andy Good, he started growing on me, but he definitely seems like a bit of a bully from the get-go. Like, his humor seems to be very derogatory. I mean, it just is. And then they would argue that's that, you know, Jim Hamilton gives as much as he takes. But even when they talk to other rugby players... Andy Good always comes across as a little bit nasty. But it it struck me that that was probably a defense mechanism because maybe he's not super comfortable yet talking on microphone all the time. And and over time, he seemed to be less that way. And certainly I've agreed with a lot of his opinions with rugby. But whatever your feelings are politically, and I'm not, I don't have a strong opinion when it comes to Brexit, for example, I don't even live in Europe or, or, or England. So um, it's not something I've really stressed about too much, but he's very vocal about his pro Brexit stance. And he's very vocal about his sort of more right leaning positions. Now what's concerning me is, you may or may not have seen, probably most of you have seen the the moped videos. First, when I first saw them, I'm so stupid that when it said moped theft, I thought that meant someone had stole a moped. And uh, but if you haven't seen it anyway, it's uh, people. I'm assuming criminals who steal shit because they said thieves, and then try and get away on their mopeds. And then the video is from the camera inside a police car as they run them over. Now, look. So Andy Good, his attitude is, yeah, good. Ha ha. This is what they deserve. Not that PC bullshit. Now, look, look, look. If you listen to me long enough, and certainly if you listen to the Eddie and AJ show, I fucking hate PC bullshit. I hate it. I can't even express how much I hate certain things going on politically and socially because I don't want to come across as too much of a cunt. But there's one thing I definitely don't agree with, and that is police trying to murder people, essentially, for stealing material possessions. That just doesn't make sense to me. And and look, maybe there are situations where it is okay. Like, if that guy on the moped had punched an elderly woman in the face, fractured her eye socket, stole her purse, stabbed a child in the asshole, and then ridden off, then I'd say, yeah, run that fucking cunt over. But here's my issue. And and if, and if you're one of these people, you know, no offense, just hopefully you'll understand what I'm saying. So somebody said, somebody responded to Andy Good's thing saying, yeah, so much for, you know, human rights, blah, 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 sarcastically. 
And Andy Goo's response, predictably stupidly, was, so you think it's fine for people to steal things? Which is the most stupid, ignorant, illogical response to that whatsoever. The guy didn't say, why are they trying to, why are they trying to run him over? He, who cares if he stole something? He didn't say that. He sarcastically said so much for human rights. Because this is the thing. We don't know anything about that person on the moped. So while they may deserve it, we don't know. And if you're watching videos, I was very sad to see David Flatman said he thought it was funny too. Maybe, I, maybe I'm just being a stick in the mud. Maybe I should watch them again, put some Benny Hill music on, and suddenly I'll find it funny. But personally, I don't find people being run over by police cars funny. It's not funny. It's, it's sort of awful. And like I said, we don't know. I, I, I tweeted exactly this. We don't know anything about the guy on the bike. Is it a man? Is it a woman? How old are they? What's their background? For all we know, it's some teenager who stole something as a bet to try and look cool in front of his friends. And then he gets his fucking vertebrae shattered and his life is ruined. You know, whereas he could have been helped to learn that that wasn't, you know. And then someone said to me, what about the victim? We don't know anything about them. Yeah. And I said, that's exactly my point. <laughs> you Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we don't. Which is why I'm not saying this is inexcusable and shouldn't be done. I'm saying I don't enjoy it and I don't think it's something that you should cheer on you know it's not entertainment if it's being done then i want to know that it's being done to the for the right reasons because like i said it's an eye for an eye i'm okay with an eye for an eye not an eye for an ipad that sounded really cheesy but i mean it but anyway i just think it's a bit sad i don't want to see and i also sort of my, my initial response because the other thing is andy good uh was supporting pierce Morgan. Um, I almost said Pierce Brosnan. By the way, I had a huge conversation once where I was talking about how much I hate Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> and I meant Pierce Morgan. And it took a really long, long time until, you know, like the other guy kept bringing up James Bond and stuff. And I was like, what are you talking about? He'd be a terrible James Bond. Well, you know, he wasn't the best. What do you mean he wasn't the best? And we eventually figured it out. But Pierce, Mor Pierce Morgan uh, is such a fucking twat. I can't stand him. So right then, when when uh, Andy Good was uh, championing Pierce Morgan, I knew I might have a bit of a problem with him. But anyway, when I saw this moped thing, my first reaction was to think think about tweeting. Right, that's good. I already listened to too many podcasts as it is. That's one less I have to. And then I realized it's I'm on thin ice because then he'll just shit all over my podcast and make me feel sad and have to kill myself. Um, but um. Then I then I thought about it and I thought, you know what? It's maybe I'm being too harsh. Let's just see. And also let's see if there's a backlash. I'll tell you, I'll listen to his to the podcast, but if he comes out and says a bunch of shit about Well, we'll just see. We'll see. I'll I'll keep you updated. Eventually this will just become a podcast in which I critique other rugby podcasts. This is the first time I've had anything bad to say. Like I said, I actually do like what is the, the rugby pod, the rugby podcast. I do like it, but I think it is mostly because of Jim Hamilton. Um, 
I don't want to say anymore. I'm, that's the last time, actually, I'm going to criticize another fucking... Oh, I can't say that. I can't promise that. Anyway, let's end this. Oh, um, there was some discussion about the outro songs, and um, I'm still not going to do it tonight because uh, I have no way of knowing if it's something worth my while because a couple of people, someone from Mallover, I can't remember if it was Mallover if it was the Mallover uh, podcast's Twitter account or someone from it. But somebody from there said, how dare I not do it, I think. And then someone else said it. Or somebody else said it, and then they backed them up. And just when I was thinking maybe they're being sarcastic, somebody else, sorry, I should be remembering your names. I'm such a twat. I just This is just an afterthought, though. Um, I'm going to find the names so I can, so I can give you credit. Let's see. I'm not going to pause this. I'm not going to edit it. There's just going to be a moment of silence. Or I'll do my usual thing where I just mumble and say weird shit while I'm doing this. Notifications. Uh... Okay, yeah, here we go. So, so Ben Bacon, yes. One of my all-star listeners. He said, how dare you put out a pod without a musical conclusion? And then it was more over rugby said. Glad someone said it, Ben. I missed the song too. Oh, okay. It was Russ. He put his initials at the end. That's why I was confused. Okay, so that that made me go, God damn it, all right, I'll bring it back. But then, God, it's, it's, this is on multiple Twitter accounts. This is cross-platform. Let's see. Where are you? I can't remember who the fuck said it. Oh, and then Longshanks Dan, that's what he calls himself now, Dan Naughty Step. And Dan, you might be a, a Pierce Morgan f- uh, fan, I'm not sure, and a Pierce Brosnan fan, but I don't care, I like you. I hope I haven't put you off by being such a liberal pussy. Uh, he said, this is a dark day, so I'm not doing it. And then, why am I not finding the person who told me that my songs are shit? And honestly, made me feel better because I didn't want to have to do it. Um, what's going on? Did I just dream it? Did I imagine that this happened? Sometimes I respond to tweets when I'm like half asleep and then I don't know. Uh, yeah, this is weird. Well, somebody, somebody, a longtime listener, and for some reason my amnesia is hitting me again. I can't remember uh, who the fuck it was. Oh, God. I'm still looking, though. Where is it? Um, it was Sam Griffiths, I remember now, but I can't find the tweet. He said, well, something along the lines of the songs are shit anyway. And I was actually relieved. I was like, okay, good, then I don't have to do them. So here's my issue, though. Now I don't know who's telling the truth. I don't know if the people that said they want me to do it genuinely want me to do it or they're being sarcastic and they just want to see me suffer or know that I'm suffering because I don't want to do it and I don't know if the uh, negative reaction was just for fun I don't know what to do but I do know that it's very very late and I'm very very tired I'm going to end this right now